to look down through the years, the privilege that God has given me, I never realized that when I committed my life to the Lord, how he'd use my voice. I was in radio for many, many years, reaching out all over the United States, and in fact, in South America and into Europe and even in Israel. Never realized when I committed my life to the Lord, but God used it. And I was uh, telling my fiance uh, today about a rabbi's son in Brooklyn, New York. And he heard the broadcast for two and a half years, and he gave a word and, uh, to me to come to see him. Well, I didn't get there right away because, you know, I'm on the road all the time speaking here and there. And it waited for two weeks. And finally, I called him and said, I'll be there. He lives in Rahway, New Jersey. So I go there, and when I first approached him uh, like that, he looked at me and said, well, I'm disappointed in you. I said, oh, I'm sorry. What, what happened? Well, he said, you don't have the black coat on. You don't have the payout. I thought you would be orthodox. I said, I'm very orthodox in the word, and I believe the word with all my heart. And he said, well, he said, uh, I'm glad that you're here today. And he said, there's something I really liked about you. He said, I like the way you preached about Isaiah, the 53rd chapter over the, the broadcast. He said, you were talking about my Messiah, my Savior, my Redeemer. And I said, is that all he was to you? What do you mean? You only think of him as Mashiach? Just Messiah? He's just a man endued with power? You've missed the whole message. He's the God-man manifested in the flesh for you and for me. And he said, oh, I believe that in all my heart. And he says, another thing I like about you. He said, when you quote our sources, you give the paragraph, the page, and everything so I could look you up in that area. And he said, you never missed. I said, so there was something good about me. That's the word of God that changes lives. So you know what he said to me? Oh, I said to him first, I said, what did you call me here for? He said, well, you led me to the Lord, to my Savior. Now you've got to lead me to a wife. <laughs> and I said, but I'm not a Yentl. Only Yentls. Jeannie was a Yentl. I'm not a Yentl. So he said to me, well, I want your advice. I need it, and you're going to introduce me to somebody that will be for me and I can love. So I tried. I got, turned it over to Jeannie, and we tried, but he was so fussy. You know, it was so hard to please him in that area. So I finally said to him, uh, Arnold, I, I, can't, I can't do this for you. But I said, have you ever prayed about it? Ask the Lord, he'll do it for you. And he'll do it better than I can do it. So he said to me, you always have an answer. I said, well, try. I always give you an answer. Of course I do. I either say low or yay or can. He laughed. He said, you know what it is? Low means no. Ken means yes. So you see, I'm the yes man. They use my name all over Israel all the time. <laughs> I'm very popular. Every day of the week, they use my name. Isn't that something? When I first went over there, I heard that name. I was wondering who was asking. I was looking around and everything. All they were saying was yes, 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 yes. That's all. And that's the way it was. Well, I'd like you to take your uh, Tanakh and turn to that beautiful portion of scripture in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. We've read it. It's a very important. Realize that Isaiah wrote this, and we have to project of the reality of this, of what is described here in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, was 150 years at least after that, before it was a reality. But God, in his time, fulfills his word. 
That's so wonderful. You know, some people say, where is the sign of his coming? When is he going to come again? In his time. All we have to be is ready and looking up. Any moment, any time. It may happen today. So we have to look to the Lord. And he gives this wonderful portion of scripture. And it's important that God gave it to the nation of Israel. As you turn to Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, it starts out, who hath believed the report? But you know, there's verses before there that really are a part of the Isaiah 53rd chapter. You know, it's the 12th century Hugo uh, Cardinals really gave us the uh, chapters and verses and like that. They weren't in, uh, before that. And uh, what it says in verse 13 of Isaiah 52, behold, that's the word that means hene, it means stop, take notice, listen intently. God has something for us. And he goes on, behold my shamash. The word shamash is a servant. I use that quite a little bit. Down in Florida, uh, I teach in the school down there, and um, they, they call me the rabbi. I'm the rabbi of the place. And uh, I have a, a man that really, uh, he is tremendous. Uh, he, he likes to kiss the rabbi on the cheek only. And so therefore, uh, he says to me, you're my shamash, you're my servant, you're my mentor. You teach me the word of God. And uh, that word shamash is really a servant. But in the Greek, when you look at the word doulos, it really has a deeper meaning. Because it, seems, it says to you that I'm completely surrendered. I own nothing. I plan nothing apart from him. It's a complete surrender of your life. And that's what the Apostle Paul was. And that's in Romans chapter 1, verse 1, isn't it? And so therefore we find here, he says, Behold, my servant... And it announces the, the real victory of what he is going to do, why he died on that cross. There was purpose in it. There was love, deep-seated love, in the dying of the wonderful Messiah and Savior and Redeemer. And so, therefore, it's very important that we understand it. And uh, it also brings out that he will be elevated high. We were singing about worshiping his majesty. We're elevating him. And you know what? We're like going aliyah. We're going up to God. Our worship is going up there. Hope you'll come out tonight. I'm going to speak on Psalms 122 and show you some interesting slides about Israel and how this works out about being in the house of the Lord. So you'll be there tonight. Give him his day, okay? We don't give him very much. We give him very little. A little bit of offering here. We sing a little bit. But, you know, a lot of times we're just token worshipers. We've got to be total, committed to him. And it'll change and transform your life. You know what? You'll be in listening distance to hear God speak. And he's going to speak to you. And as you walk the narrow way and as you go along with God, he'll become real and precious in his life. You'll know the spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're his children. So wonderful to walk with him. And he'll do that. But he's saying here that this God... This one, this servant, will be the one that will be the Savior and redeem us from mankind. Now, it's interesting. Servant, the shamash. <laughs> you know, when I read Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, you get a little different ring on it. And Jewish people do put this on. Hold your hand in Isaiah 53 and go back with me to Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 43. Isaiah 43. And uh, I want you to notice what he says in verse 10 of Isaiah 43. 
ye are my witnesses. You know, a witness just tells what he knows. That's what we are. I'm a witness. Witness of the grace of God. I'm a witness of his word that it's true. It's amen. Every bit of it will be fulfilled. You can be assured of that, what God says. And he says here, ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord. Boy, that's wonderful. Because you see the word there, Lord, is the word Adonai. But behind it, it has Hebrew letters that are very important. The Hebrew letters there is yod heh vah That's the word that means the exalted, glorious one. He's Lord, completely, in every aspect, in every way. He's in total control. And so he says here, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. Here he's talking to Israel. You see, unto them were committed the oracles of God. God gave it to them. They were to give it out. They were to proclaim what it said that God gave to them. But you know what? They failed in it. Utterly failed in proclaiming him. But thank the Lord for those that get their eyes open. And I'll tell you, they're really wonderful witnesses for the Lord. I have a dear man up in Tiberias, real man. I've mentored him for years and everything. And he's, he's patterned, he says his life after me, and I think he has. Uh, he's in radio today. Uh, he lives in Israel. I have not lived totally, but he's made his aliyah. He's there. He's a citizen, and he's a real witness for God, and he shares his faith wherever he goes. Uh, he does guiding now like I've been doing all these years. He, he tells me, I've patterned my life after you. And he said, the reason why I have, because everything you've done in your life is something that I believe is important to what we need to do as believers. And so he's followed me in, in this way. And uh, he really is a servant. And so he says, Thess the Lord, my servant whom I've chosen, God chooses us out. I know I've been a chosen person for a specific work to do. And I've never altered the course. I pastored a church, by, by the way, back early days, and they wanted to keep me forever. But you know what? It was in the pastorate, and praise the Lord for those that have that ministry, like Pastor Dan and others. But God called me to be a witness to the nation of Israel. And so I told them after a year and a half, I've got to go. I've got to go. My heart, my heart is in a different place. I love you people. So you know what they said to me? Well, don't worry. We'll bring all the Jews to that area so you can have them all and you can stay with us. I said, well, that's not possible, is it? And he said, no. Well, it's a, it's a wish. I said, I love your love toward me. But I got to go because God has really showed me definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, that he's called me into this type of ministry. And I'm chosen of the Lord. And it says, that ye may know and believe and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. It talks about there were witness of who God is, the one true and living God. But they're witnesses. But then when, as you read the book of Isaiah, these witnesses really fail. And uh, he talks to them and, and mentions about their sins. In fact, go back to Isaiah chapter 1. Notice this. This is all introduction to Isaiah 53. But you've got to see this setting. Isaiah chapter 1. And notice verse 4. This is the shamash. This is the servant. This is to be the witness for God. They were to testify who he is. They were to exalt his name. They were to be soul winners. That's what God intended, the nation of Israel. He not only gave them the oracles, but to proclaim those oracles of what God said about the sending of the Messiah. But the nation of Israel is utterly failed. And notice what it says. Ah, sinful nation, 
a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger. And they've gone away backward. Instead of going toward God, they went the opposite way. A lot of Jewish people say to me, sounds like you're trying to convert me. I said, oh, you do? And they say, what do you mean? That's not nice of you. Oh, wait a minute. When the word of God is preached, and I give you the word, that's his word. And the word of God is a penetrating force. You ought to be glad that that's happening in your life. Because you know what? You're missing something. Well, what did I miss? You've missed to see that God is interested in you. And he's penetrating your heart. It says, when the spirit comes, he'll convict us of sin and righteousness and of judgment. Night I found the Lord, that the Lord got into my heart. I tell you, I had pins and needles. I was sitting on my hands. I had beads of perspiration on my forehead. I thought my mother had talked all about my life and everything that, you know, about my life. The preacher was preaching it. And I, I really was angry. I didn't like it at all. I didn't think it was nice of my mother, but my mother loved me. And I knew that, but why did she do that to me? See, it was a penetrating force. And all of a sudden... I don't know how I did it, but I moved out of the seat and came forward, realizing I was a sinner needing a savior, and God koshered my heart. And you know what? When I went home, you know, I didn't have a car. We didn't have cars bringing us to church. I had to walk. And I'll tell you, I was running. And sometimes I used to like to leap, you know. I also uh, dreamed about flying. In fact, sometimes in my mind, I felt like I was flying in the clouds. You know, sometimes you're mind crazy a little bit, but that's what happened in my life. And I'd, I'd, I'd leap up in the air, and I'd hang. I, I felt I could hang quite a while. And I'd say, you're not only up there, but you're in my heart. You're not only up there. You're in my heart. I don't know people watching me what they thought, but I didn't care. <laughs> because uh, I was talking to God, and God was talking to me. It makes a difference. We need to be excited about our faith. We need to share it with everybody. And as we get into this chapter, you'll see why. So he goes on, and, and he talks all about this nation. Uh, and it says in verse 5, Why should you be stricken uh, anymore? Will you revolt more and more? Our whole head is sick, and the heart is faint, from the sole of your foot even unto the head, for there is no soundness in it. And notice he couples them together. But wounds and bruises and petrifying sores, they have not been Closed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. Then he goes on, your country, everything was going wrong because they weren't following God. They weren't under his blessing of God. And it brings it out very here in this chapter. So you can understand why he, Isaiah 53rd chapter comes into play. Because you see, this servant that he wanted to use was not righteous before God. You see, the Jewish people look at this chapter today and they say it's not talking about the Messiah at all. We're the servant, and they use these verses. But boy, oh boy, they haven't read all of what Isaiah says. Go to Isaiah chapter 49, and I want you to notice something here. Isaiah 49. And I want to uh, start reading with verse uh, 5. And now saith the Lord that formed me from the womb to be a servant. Do you realize that he's talking about a prenatal thing about forming the nation? God created the nation of Israel. They're a special nation, according to the scriptures. In fact, Deuteronomy says they're above the nations. Why were they above? Well, if you just look at their history, just think of how much they blessed them. 
lot of things that w in our life that they've contributed to make it possible for each one of us. They've done so much for us. And God says that even from the womb. So who created them? God created the nation of Israel. It was not man. And then I want you to notice it says, uh, here, now this saith the Lord, who formed uh, me from the womb to be a servant. And to bring Jacob again to him. So you see, there's another servant that is introduced in this chapter. Not only the servant of Israel that sinned was in a, t a terrible spiritual condition, but there was another one called the servant. And that one is the one that's mentioned in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. Notice what it goes on to say, that this servant, to bring Jacob unto him, though Israel be not gathered, yet I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God, he shall be my strength. Then I want you to notice verse 6, and he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant. Notice, this servant will raise up the tribe of Jacob. I believe in 48, when God brought the nation of Israel back into existence, it's like the valley of dry bones coming together. God birthed them, he dispersed them, and he brought them back. And we've witnessed it. Been wonderful. Over 110 countries of the world they've come from. God's bringing them back. <laughs> I was going to the Wailing Wall one day, and this American Jewess said to me, Are you going to the hotel? I said, I sure am. She said, I thought you'd be going there. I said, Yeah, all Jews go to the hotel to pray. It's the closest place that they claim to be near God. So we're going to the hotel. And uh, she says to me, uh, uh, Can I walk with you? I said, Yeah, you know, walk with me. I'm going to talk to you. She says, oh, that's wonderful. What do you got to tell me? <laughs> there it is. Witnesses. And guess what? I did. Well, as we're going there, she told me, she said, I've been a Jewess from my birth. But she said, nothing's excited me about God's word at all of the Old Testament. Uh, I, I just accept it in a traditional way. That that's something that is attached to the Jewish people, and that's all. And I said, uh-oh. Yeah, the prophet Isaiah talked about you. Talked about me, she says. Yeah, he did. Where did he talk about me? Well, if you read Isaiah, see, you didn't read God's word. Isaiah 29, verse 13, it talks about the nation of Israel, how they've been wickedness. In fact, uh, he goes on in that chapter and said that you've turned away from God in everything. And that's what it is. So I, I, I began to talk to her about it. And it says here to bring the tribes of Jacob. And I try to point out that they're coming back, that they've come back with blinded eyes, just like yours are blinded. But God can open your eyes to the truth of the word of God. He did it for me. He'll do it for you. I have no monopoly on God. He's for all of us, isn't he, and working in life. And notice what it goes on in saying this there. It says to uh, be his servant to bring Jacob again to him through Israel, uh, uh, though Israel be not gathered, yet I will. I will be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Then he said, and he said, It is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. And I will give thee for a light to the Goyim. That's the Gentile world. Guess what? You've been singing about a Jewish man, the God man. And guess what? Through them, he gives you the light. Ha'or is the word. Brilliancy. And guess what we learned about the kebab, the glory. A glory that's within him. The person of Yeshua HaMashiach. 
That's what he does. So you see, in Isaiah 49, it's not talking about Israel, my servant, though they were a servant, but failed. They were talking about through Israel, his servant, the Messiah. That's what it's about. So Isaiah 53rd chapter is very important that God gave that message because the spiritual condition was very grave with the nation of Israel. They were sinful from the top to the bottom. There was no, nothing good within them. And what does he say about our righteousness? All of our righteousness like filthy rags. We can see our condition. Thank God for him. And then he gives this wonderful chapter. This chapter is a beautiful chapter. I was with the uh, uh, mission called uh, uh, Israel My Glory and uh, the working amongst the Jewish people and on the cover of the, the magazine had a beautiful pictures uh, painted by one of our men in the work and uh, it showed two sides with the gulf in between, one on earth and one in the heavenly side. How can you bridge between the two? You know what the bridge is? The cross. The cross bridges. Man's sinful by the cross. It's the way home, and we have the assurance of it. The cross. Interesting word, the cross. That's what this is talking about. This is talking about a servant that suffers and dies, a cruel being in his stuff for you and for me. He does that for us. That's what it is. It's the bridge. It's the cross. You know what? The alphabets. They've had many ways of explaining the alphabet. Before the Phoenician period of time. In fact, it goes back to the period of time of Pesach, Passover. When they took the animal and test, tested it and slays the animal, put its blood in the doorpost. I think I told you this before and they applied the blood to the doorpost. You know what a door looks like. They took the blood after they killed the animal and they applied it here and they applied it here and they applied it up there. And guess what? After they did it, they didn't go out and look at it and say, I wonder if it's in the right place. Let me measure and make sure because you see the angel of death is gonna come over and those that don't go God's prescribed and described way in the morning, Malachimuvus will strike them. They'll be dead. Guess what? This is what they did. They're outside of it. Now watch it. Here, here, and here. We need one complete thing to make the cross. Here it goes. What was it? The person. The person. The cross the purpose of the cross is the person. He's dying. He's wounded for our transgressions. He's bruised for our iniquity. But with his stripes, we're healed. You know what? Aleph is the first letter. Tav is the last letter. And guess what? When they put the blood in the doorpost, they were making the sign of the cross. And that is the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet because you can go and see the different alphabets in Jerusalem right near the Shrine of the Book. And you can see this alphabet and one of the excavators that found a, 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 a ossuary box, a bone box, it had uh, crosses on it. And it was before the time of Christ. So way back then, the cross was in view. Way back then, and it was. 
It started at Passover. When I see the blood, I'll pass over. It's concerning a lamb. What do you read in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, uh, about this wonderful lamb? He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. The lamb. In Exodus chapter 12, it says, a lamb, the lamb, and your lamb. He becomes our personal lamb. So we can see this in this wonderful book here. And so it was very needful when you see the condition of the nation of Israel. They needed this lamb. In fact, this is the lamb that God accepted. Notice verse 10 of 53. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. What pleased the Lord was the offering of his son to become the Savior, the Redeemer. That's what pleased God. Anything else please God? No. All our righteousness is filthy rags. That's it. It, it would never please God. Not anything you do in your works will not make it possible for you to get to heaven. You'll miss it because it's unacceptable before God. The only thing that is acceptable is to realize, yet he pleased the Lord to bruise him, he put him in grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. Hey, here's where we find out. In the Old Testament, we found out they were sinful. They needed the blood to be applied to the doorpost. They needed redemption. And we find out from this verse here that it goes back to the temple and tabernacle life, first of all, when God told them how to build a tabernacle in the place of altar and the different sacrifices that were to be placed on there which were all pointing to the Mashiach. The one completes that. Because none of these could really take away sin. They only covered sin. God accepted it as a covering because down the road he was going to have one, the servant Israel, no, the servant the Mashiach that will die and it will be an acceptable offering before God. And so therefore by our putting our trust in him, we know that we pleased God because he was pleased in the offering of his son for you and for me. And it says, here, uh, for an offering for sin. And that word there in the Hebrew is bringing out, it's a sacrificial offering. It's the trespass offering. So in other words, the Messiah of all of these Old Testament animal sacrifices was pointing to him. And it was needful because from the top of their heads to the tip of their toes, there was no, anything in them would be acceptable before God. They needed a lamb. And guess what? That wonderful song, God provided what? The lamb. Read the book of Revelation. It's the lamb and then the lion, the king of kings. The Jewish people say we can't accept Christ as Messiah because he didn't change things outwardly. He wasn't the servant that had uh, in any way uh, that we could minister to us that we could recognize in the Messiah. He didn't change outward things. The lamb and the lion doesn't play together. There's wars and rumors of wars. He can't do all this. He didn't do it. So he can't be the Messiah. But I'll tell you, he demonstrated in his life every one of those things that he said that he couldn't do. <laughs> Tiberius, turbulent waters. Shalom. Ended. Just like that. Tonight I'm going to be talking about Matthew, the 17th chapter, which is about the intrinsic glory of God. Tremendous passage. But when you get down there, there's three important things that God brings out. And one of them in that chapter brings out that he had total control over creation. How did he do it? He said, Peter, we got to pay our taxes. Go down and put the hook in. Not a net to grab the, all of them, but a hook in. How many fish do you usually get on a hook? One. All you need. 
Guess what he did? Dropped it down. He didn't hear anything, but the God of creation was moving in the life of one fish. And that fish went down to the bottom and he grabbed something and put it in his mouth. And then the dummy, what did he do? He fell for it, hooked in his jaw, and he was caught. Brought him up and guess what? There was a coin, enough to pay the, the temple tax for himself and also for the others. See, the God of creation moved in the life of the fish. Isn't that wonderful who he is? And there's many other things. They were hungry. Many were around him. A few loaves, two fishes, what is that? When you got a big multitude, guess what? Sit down. And he kept going, kept feeding him all around, 5,000, just like that. He's the God of creation. He's in control of everything. See, they didn't rest. But you see, his first coming was not to be the king. No, 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 no. That was later. And it still looks forward. He wasn't coming here to be king. He was to be Shamish. He was to be servant. He was to pour out his soul. He was to be the trespass He was fulfill the really final thing that God could only accept. It had to be the son. And that's the only way. So if you understand that, it's so important that we see this. Uh, from the word of God about this one. And uh, it goes on to say, God was well pleased with it in every way. And that's the truth of it. So we know that he is the one. Now, go to Isaiah chapter 42. Here's another text about the Shamish. Notice this. Verse 1. Behold, there's that word he named, means the same thing as I told you. My servant, and notice it says, whom I uphold. God is speaking, and this servant is one that he esteems very highly. Isaiah 53rd chapter can't be Israel. Because we found out in Isaiah chapter 1 the condition of the nation of Israel, from the top of heads to the tip of the toes, bruises and putrefying sores. What did he say about their offerings? He said, I'm sick of them. Get away with them. Because, you see, they were just outwardly worshiping. They weren't really giving their hearts to the Lord in their offerings. God was totally sick of it. And he brought it out, didn't he, from the word of God. The Jewish people do not see the Messiah in this role. Isaiah 42 says he's a servant, not a king here. It goes on to say that he's the elect of God. He was. We're going to see tonight again in the 17th chapter, the Mount of Transfiguration. And these men that were up there with him said, boy, this is a great thing. Let's make the thrones and everything. The moment they did that, guess what? Everything, Moshe and Elijah disappeared. You can't be an equal with God. You can't sit side by side unless you're a king. And he was a king, but he didn't offer himself as the king. He offered himself as the offering the trespass offering for you and for me. When we have communion, it should mean a lot to us when we take the elements and everything. He's the true servant of the Lord. And that. Notice what he goes on to say. He's mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. He delights in this one. He didn't delight in Israel because of their sinful condition. Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, can't be. You know what? If you read it, in the King James Version, 
you'll find he, him, he, him, 48 times. But if you read the chapter before, guess what? You'll talk about Israel, and it's in the feminine gender. Go over to the 54th chapter, and guess what? He talks about Israel again. And guess what? In the feminine gender. But when you come to the 53rd chapter, it's not feminine gender. It's masculine. It's not talking about Israel and all of its suffering. They claim that these are the righteous Jews that died. And they're the ones that were like the Messiah. Huh. If that's true, boy, oh boy, I wonder how they do this. Why don't they give him honor? You see, they, they have what they call the ninth of Av. The ninth of Av, you remember the destruction of two temples. Guess what you do? You wail. You mourn. You realize that you blew it. You were dispersed. And dispersion eventually was all over the world. God was not delighting. He didn't give them land in other countries. He gave them only a parcel of land that he talks about through Abraham. And that's the land for Israel. But you see, they, they didn't get it because they were in unbelief, that is, to occupy it. But God, in his mercy, has allowed them, some of them to come back. And so we find he doesn't delight in it. And then it says, I'll put my spirit within him. And then it says he'll bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. Read Isaiah chapter 49. And guess what he does with Messiah? He goes up in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, the land of the Goyim world, the Gentile world, and he ministers to them. That's the fulfillment of what he prophesied in Isaiah 42. He fulfilled the word. Exactly. And guess what? When he says, I delight in him, he proved that. We're going to see in the Mount of Transfiguration tonight my beloved son, everything else disappeared. Not only that, baptism. He went down the waters of baptism. What came from heaven? The delight of God. My son. My son. He's the son of God. He's the redeemer. God delights in him. So you see, there's a difference between the two servants. And guess what? Notice what he says here. He shall not cry nor lift up his uh, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the streets. He was a very humble man. He wasn't a bold man. He was true of preaching the word, and it was powerful and sharp and penetrated hearts. But this is not a man of a king that is mentioned here about the servant at all. In fact, it goes on to say, A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. You know what? Everywhere he went, he had compassion and love. See, he was just a servant. That's what the Isaiah 53 is talking about, the servant Messiah. They didn't understand if it was coming in humility, having a love and a compassion for people. But that's who he was. Read the four Gospels, and you'll see that's exactly what it is. Multitudes of people had compassion to feed them, give ye them to eat. That's what this Messiah is all about in this chapter. Go back to Isaiah chapter 53. And as I told you, that if you're going to use this chapter to represent the nation of Israel on that ninth of Av, it should be included today in your prayers about the righteous Jewish people if this is the Isaiah the 53rd chapter. And another thing about it, it says he's led as a lamb to the slaughter. You know, the lamb allowed you to do exactly. He didn't resist, did he? He went willingly. In fact, 
They tried to tempt him when he was on the cross, said, if you're the son of God, get us down. He didn't fall for that temptation, not at all. Because if he had come down, I wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't have the joy in my heart of knowing my sins were given at all. Not at all. It's because he stayed on that cross and died, and he became the sacrificial offering for you and for me. God was pleased with it and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So we know from what he says about this, and it's very important. And uh, in this chapter, we find that God was talking about, why don't they read this chapter at the ninth of Av? They don't. It's not in their books at all. This has been known in the past as a controversial chapter. They don't understand it. And some of the older uh, books of the Bible, they, they deleted this. And some said, oh, you're taking away God's word. And they said, don't worry. We'll take it away for a while. Messiah will put it in if it's the truth. It's about him. And if not, we did a good thing. So that's how they felt about it. You see, this chapter is not talking about Israel as a servant. It's talking about the Messiah. And notice verse 11 in that. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. See, when he was on that cross and they asked him to come down, he set his face as a flint. You know what he says in John about it? That his finest hour of his life was his death. In fact, it's quite interesting in this chapter uh, when it talks about him. It says in verse 9, And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, it really is, is it, the word, it's a plurality, a death. You mean to tell me that Christ died more than once? No, once for all. But you know the type of death that he was dying as he was on, hanging on that cross. It's like dying and dying again and dying again and dying again. That's what it meant. So you can see the tremendous thing of it. And, and we can't comprehend when God struck him because he was a sin bearer for you and for me. He did that all because he loved us. He loves us. And he sent his son. And he's well pleased. It's the acceptable offering. It's the only offering that can make it possible for you to be restored back to God. And it says he'll see the travails and she'll be satisfied. And by his, my knowledge of my righteous servant shall justify many. You know what? You're in that verse. His death makes it possible for you to be justified. You're in that verse. So you see, it's really up to date, isn't it? It's for you and for me. This chapter's for us. We ought to read it. We ought to worship him and praise him. He took my place. You know, in, in uh, Psalms 116, verse 16, it says, O oh, Lord, truly I am thy servant, I am thy servant, for thou hast loosed my bonds when they realized that we're to be the servant of the Lord because he redeemed us. He loosed the bonds. He made us free. If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you'll be free indeed. That's what it is all about. And it's for you and for me. And he brings this out there. Then notice in verse 12, it says, Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he hath poured out his, what? His soul. You see, when you give yourself totally over to the Lord, it's like soulish. You know, I ministered in Vancouver, British Columbia back a number of years ago. And uh, I went to the door of this man. He was a postman. And I talked to him and everything. And he, as I'm talking to him, he said, you know what? 
you speak from your gut. I said, really? I didn't think I did that. But God is using that in your life. And he says to me, I think that you would die for me. Really? I got news for you. I wouldn't. I'm not going to die for you. But he said, that's the way you come across to me. You'll die for me. I said, I won't do that. But I know one that did. And he died for you because he loves you. And he's demonstrated in his love by his son. So he says to me, you're trying to tell me that this God loves me so dearly that he became a savior to me? I said, that's it. He is. He's a savior. He's the redeemer. And God said he'd bring the savior. And he said another thing to me. That's a message. And I, and I found out he was a postman. I said, yeah, you, you have a lot of letters that you deliver. He said, yeah, I do. I said, well, that's, that's wonderful. I said, you put a stamp on it, right? And he said, yeah, of course. If you don't can't have the stamp on it, I, I can't do it. And I, I said to him, you know, God's love letter is the word of God. And the stamp of approval was the voice from God to he from heaven. And he's the savior of the world. And inside of it is, is his message, his love message. You know, when you fall in love, and when you're absent from one another and you get notes, you read them again and again. That's happened to me. You keep reading it. You know why? Because that one is so precious to you. And you love that one. It means so much to you. And when you're absent from one another, whatever you have in the past, like a letter like that, you cherish it and read it again and again. And I've read letters like that because that one I love. And we ought to be doing the same thing. And it'll, it'll change. And the stamp on it is the stamp of image. You know, there is a Greek word that brings out this. It's called tupos. And it's like uh, a thing of, uh, with an image of a blow. So in other words, what's on that that's going to give the blow, that imagery will hit you and be right there. And that when God comes into your heart and life, it's like a blow. And the more that you stay in his word, it begins to you realize how penetrating it was that it changes you inwardly, outwardly, transforms your life. That's what he wants to do. He wants to really change you inwardly. He wants your life to be filled with himself. And when you commit your life to the Lord, You'll come into the house of the Lord, and you'll be glad to be here. Why do we have so much absence from the house of the Lord? We sing of his praises. Is he real in your life? Do you give him really first place? Are you there in the house of the Lord? It says not to forsake the assembling together. I guess I'm getting in my message tonight a little bit. But, dear friends, that's what happens. You thirst after it, and you want to be there, and you want to be faithful. It's required of a servant to be found faithful. Why is it Sunday nights and prayer meetings? You know, I, I, when I come to the prayer meeting, I don't get here often because I'm on the road. But when I'm here, I see the same ones, and I say to the Lord, thank you, Lord, for those faithful ones. They're always there. You can always count on them. But you know what? We need the whole congregation to be faithful, not just a few that uphold the work of the Lord in prayer. We need you all. 
And as we give ourselves, it's going to be the best time you've ever spent. I, when I go to prayer meetings, I, I find, boy, it's profitable. Sometimes, you know, after witnessing the day, I'm, I get a little bit tired once in a while and like that. And you know what? I go there, and I come out refreshed and ready to hop and leap and everything else. I'm ready to go again because the word so strengthened me physically as well. This is what it does. I hope that you'll read Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, and realize that he was uh, bruised for our sins, for our iniquities, and that you'll embellish it and cherish it and proclaim it to others. And the last thing that I want to bring out about this wonderful portion is verse 12. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgression. When he was on that cross, nothing could take him down, because he had you in mind. He had me in mind. He realized that his death would be the acceptable offering. And he could look up the head and realize the wonderful thing. Some people have, they celebrate Christmas and they have a, a tree. I think tr the tree is a very good thing to illustrate because you see, the tree is cut off from the land of the living. You see, the tree became the cross. And we put things on the tree and these are the trophies of his grace. And even beyond that, he, he gives us his love by the presents that are under the tree. And when you realize the fruits of the Spirit, and you're going to talk about Galatians and some of these other portions of Scripture, you realize how we're blessed in, in a wonderful way. And uh, how wonderful the tree is a good illustration to me. Because the, the shape of the tree, you know, it's like this, right? Isn't it? Like this. Look, narrow to God only, sheds his broad, and it widens out. And guess what? It goes all the way around. Everywhere, all of your faith, your faith, everywhere, you share it. Take it home today. Meditate on this. Allow it to come into your heart and your life and be so thankful. And I want you to commit your life far greater than you ever have done. Because somehow today, God is speaking to you through the word. And I know he is. I can feel it. He's speaking to you today. How wonderful when you go out the doors and you realize you're going out. God spoke to me today. He used the pastor. He used his word. He used the songs. He's spoken to us. And out of it, the result should be a commitment. Totally. And it's different in the Old Testament but when you read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it's not like the Old Testament sacrifices. It's a living sacrifice, and it's to be committed. I hope to see you all here tonight. I hope to see you at prayer meeting. I'll just be coming back from somewhere else, but how wonderful it is to be in his house. Come out tonight. I want to share about the word. Just wanted to share that with you. Communion should make a difference now as we entered into this portion of scripture. That's what I wanted to share with you this morning. As I studied, I've been meditating on this for a whole week, my mind, when I'm driving and everything. Oh, it's blessed my heart in such a wonderful way that he could love such a sinner as myself and save me and transform my life. Put a joy in my heart that passeth all understanding. 
Amen? Let us pray. Lord, I thank you for the privilege just to be your servant. I ask that the penetrating word will do something in our lives. You said you want to change us from glory to glory. Do a work in our lives. May we really commit our lives to you. And may you use them and guide us every step of the way that we can look back at our life and have very few regrets because we followed the true and living God. In his name, amen.